This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, Lisa Stanley here, your Rentienta. And on today's episode of What Goes On Around Here, I've got the lovely Rita. As in Rita Wilson. Sound familiar? Yep, actress, producer, singer, mom, and oh, wife of actor Tom Hanks. That's right. She's here on our little podcast to talk about her new album, her fourth, I might add, called Halfway to Home and so much more. So I don't know if a lot of people know we're speaking with Rita Wilson, the lovely Rita Rita, that you're born right here in Los Angeles, and your name was Margarita, and how do you pronounce the uh, last name? Ibrahimov. Oh, Lord. Good I know. It sounds like a Russian gymnast or I something. Mean, how do you say it again? Ibrahimov. Ibrahimov. <laughs> right. Is that. Okay, that's because your mom is Greek and your dad Bulgarian. Right. Here's something very interesting that I do want to know the answer to. When your dad married your mom... He changed his name to Alan Wilson, and I read somewhere it was after a street name. Correct. Yes, because when my dad naturalized and became a citizen, he had been experiencing years and years of being in America and people asking him, how do you say your last name? How do you spell your last name? And I think he just figured, look, if I go with the name Wilson, no one is going to ask me how to spell it. No one is going to question it. So he went with Alan Wilson. What street? Was it in L.A.? In L.A., but... um. It, what was I thought funny it was like thank goodness he didn't choose like Coenga or Sepulveda or something oh my god she'd be Rita <laughs> <laughs> well he wouldn't have chosen those you know why no too hard to spell too hard to spell too hard exactly. to spell which was the reason he originally could have been Jones it. or something you know <laughs> alright so growing up here in Hollywood did it make it easier for you to go into the to, into the biz um, no, not necessarily because my parents weren't in the business. My dad was a bartender. My mom was a housewife. But I went to Hollywood High School, which was the public school. Pelosi, and where a lot of famous people came from. A lot of famous people came from there. And I happened to get, if you want to call it that old school way, discovered on my first day of high school by a very famous photographer, Albert Watson, who was with the Harper's Bazaar team. And they were looking for real people. People to put in the issue that was celebrating women getting the vote in 1972. So they saw me and scouted me, took some pictures, came back the next day, took more pictures. And about two weeks later, I went in to have an official meeting with the Harper's Bazaar people. And I got a job that was an editorial layout for bathing suits in Harper's Bazaar. So wait a second. You, they didn't take photographs of you in your bathing suit? No. You just were the editor? But you did some modeling, didn't you? Yes, I did. That's how I started my modeling oh, career from that editing? job. No, editorial. They, 
Edi- oh, editorial means it's a fashion layout in a magazine as opposed to an advertisement. Oh, okay. That's right. sort of an editorial. Yes, Not yes. being in the editorial department of editing. No, no. Okay, okay. So I, I did a fashion editorial layout where I was modeling bathing suits, and it was supposed to be the, a California vibe and a California scene. And from that, I got my first agent, who was Nina Blanchard, and she oh, was like the Nina. Eileen Ford of the West Coast. What, uh, did your, what did your mom and dad? I'd have to say, seeing as they were not in the business, were they concerned that you were? My parents were so extraordinary. My mom took me on all the auditions because I was 14. And so she was with me all the way in through um, 17, I think. And she would drive me and she was there with me at all times. And my parents trusted us. We were really good kids. And I never wanted to disappoint my parents because I saw how hardworking they were and how good they were. And I didn't ever want to do anything uh, to hurt them. So I was just a stupidly good kid. How many, how many in the family? My older sister, younger brother. Oh, so there's three of you. Yeah. Okay, are you close with them? Yeah. And do they live here too? They all live here. Everybody stayed yeah. in LA. How fabulous. Yeah. Okay, so I read somewhere that you said walking on Hollywood Boulevard as a kid, you were enthralled by all the stars on the ground. Did you ever think that one day your name would be on one of those? Never in a million years. Anthony, do you know that she just got a star on the Walk of Fame. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great. No, because look, Hollywood Boulevard, growing up in, in Hollywood, you know, we would go down to Hollywood Boulevard to do whatever your daily errands are. You go to the department store. You go, my mom would get her hair done at the beauty school, Marnello and Comer. We got our school shoes there. I would get my Marnello, bike. Marnello, Do you remember? That. Yes. Was See? It was a beauty school because it was cheap. That's why yes. my mom went there. And I would go with her and play with all the heads. You know, they would have the heads with wigs yes. on them and yes. teaching people how to do hair. And, um, yeah, so it was just a normal street. But, you know, when I got the star, it was so humbling. But also in the same way, I felt like, wow, when you take all the people who have names on Hollywood Boulevard, they have somehow contributed to the arts, whether through movies, music, um, writing, whatever it is, their creative output. And that is a very beautiful way to sort of be honored, be honored and understand that without all of those artists we wouldn't have a history of film and music the way that we have and speaking of music you got honored with your star on the same day that your fourth album halfway to home debuted how cool was that planned no just accident accident good fortune and good luck and uh yeah it was very exciting and um it was, you I know, mean, I can't imagine. I don't have a star on the walk of fame, <laughs> but uh, I would like one if you're listening, Hollywood. But no, honestly, I think it's the most exciting thing in the world. You are immortalized now forever. It's crazy. It, it's really, I, I really feel mostly that if my parents were alive, that would be the thing that would be um, something I know that they would really love. I mean, but because, your brothers and sister were there, yes? Oh, yes. They were both there. So you're, you're, you're being adored kids. by the family even from afar. Yeah, sure. You, you know? know, but I think because my dad was Bulgarian, they, they were immigrants and they came to America um, that way, I felt like the dream 
for them was already accomplished when they came and were able to live in a free country and they didn't have to live through communism or oppression of any kind. And they did see your... your oh, yes. They did see oh, yes. you, right? I mean, They saw all of it. They met presidents. We spent the night in the White House. Okay, you know? so they did they, get to enjoy yes. you becoming a celebrity, basically. They, they really they did. They got to see everything. They did. Okay, so that's yeah. really great. Okay, now I have to ask you something. I heard a story... Is it true you used to stalk the monkeys? And I don't mean the kind in the zoo. I mean, hey, hey, with the monkeys. Yes, because if you remember the monkey mobile and the Batmobile, right? So the monkey mobile was made at this place called Dean Jeffries. And Dean Jeffries was right at kind of on Coenga Boulevard West. So we would go down there hoping that we would see the monkeys. And one day I went down there and Mike Nesmith was there and I could not believe it. So is, I is ran. It his mom who invented Whiteout? White yes. Pelosi. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So I ran, ran all the way home. I got, I told my sister, Mike Nesmith is down at Dean Jeffries with the monkey mobile. Quick, quick. I got to get his autograph. Give me his picture. Cause we oh, collected God. all the pictures. This is too good. So she says, Great. Make sure he signs it to Lily. And I was like, okay, okay. So I run all the way down there. And as I'm running down there and I'm out of breath, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm doing all the work here. No, I wait. So I get down there and I think, no, she's going to get mad at me if I don't say to Lily. So he signs it to Lily, Mike Nesmith. And on the way, when I got home, I corrected it. You mean you didn't ask for a second one? No, I I only had one picture, but I corrected Lily to make it looked like it said to Rita because I was like, no, damn it. This is to me. If you want your autograph, you run down and back. <laughs> do you still have that? I do. Yes. Is that amazing? I have scrapbooks. Did you ever get to like meet him afterward once you became? Never. No. What? No, I never did. I Mickey, I got to meet. I never met Davey. I got his autograph, so I must have met him somewhere, but I don't. Or maybe somebody got me the autograph. Um, but Mickey, actually, when I uh, did a concert at the Disney Concert Hall, which was called Rita Wilson and Friends, Mickey came in and sang with me and sang a couple of his songs, too, which did was very fun. Did you tell him fun. that you were a stalker of the monkeys? Oh, yeah, he knew. Oh, he knew, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when did you know was act... I know you started with your modeling, but when did you know, I want out of these pages in print and I want on the big screen? At what point and what was your first paid acting gig? My first paid acting gig was not something that I was trying to do, but it was the Brady Bunch. And I was a cheerleader in all, at Hollywood High School, varsity oh, cheerleader. The one where Marsha was trying out for yes, cheerleading. Yes, exactly, exactly. That it was, was called you? Greg's Triangle yes. is the episode. Yes. Oh, my God. Very, yes. very, uh, you know, important. Oh, my God. But it got me my Screen Actors Guild card. And what was so cool was it shot at Paramount. And, you know, it's kind of crazy when you're doing a show that you're like a kid and you're a fan of. How know? old were like, you? 15 and a half, 15, because I didn't drive. My mom had to drive me. And um, Marsha, Maureen McCormick, would drive to the set every day in a chocolate brown Mercedes. But she was my age, too, so she just had a permit. So I'm not sure how she was doing it. Illegally. But maybe <laughs> her parents were like, yeah, whatever, go go to school. Or maybe her mom was in the backseat. I don't know. But 
a gentleman by the name of Dick Michaels, Richard Michaels, was directing the episode, and he also was dating Elizabeth Montgomery, and she came by the set. Okay, and then you went on and you did Bosom Buddies. Was that your next one? No. So after the Brady Bunch, then I got my yes, I did my screen. I got my Screen Actors Guild card, and really the thing that employed me and really put me on the map as a person able to make a living as an actor was Call television. an actor. Yes, but television commercials. Oh. I did so many television commercials. I assume national ones versus local. National. All those, national. You made bank for those back then. Not Completely so much anymore. No. So much money. And that allowed me to pay for drama school, which I went to later at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. But I, when I got my SAG card, then uh, my agents were sending me out on episodic and I was just booking a lot of TV shows. So yes, someone posted something of me on MASH. I did two episodes on MASH with a recurring character and um, everything from Three's Company, Happy Days, um, Who's the Boss, uh, for nothing, 227. But I, lived with, I lived with Donnie most. Oh, Does that count? Yes. <laughs> oh, those it were some happy, happy days. days. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really was. All right, wow. so uh, I, I know we're not going to talk about the uh, husband or anything, but it is where you first originally met him yes. when you were on Bosom Buddies, That's correct? right, yes. Okay, thir- you did happy anniversary, by the way. Thank you. You just celebrated 31, 31 years yes. on the Greek Sunday. That's right. On the Greek Easter Christos Sunday. Sunday. To all the Greeks I mean, out there. honestly, what a life you've had. Uh, you've got uh, how many kids? Two kids, you and Tom. You have two stepchildren. Correct. Grandchildren. Yes. How could anyone call you grandma? Um, but they don't. They call me Yaya. Yeah, yeah, which well, is that's Greek, Greek for grandma. That's Greek. I was going to say you could just use the word glamma. I know. I love glamma. I Goldie love Hawn that. uses that. I, love I that. think. Right? I think it's very cute. It is. I cute. do like that. All right. So uh, I'm I'm only going to ask this one question, only because it's leading into your album, which I've listened to quite a few of the songs. Halfway to home, you have a beautiful voice, Rita. Beautiful. Did you always know that? Was singing always part of your world as a child? I always wanted to sing, and I remember, you know, early memories when I would sing at the drop of a hat, and the things that I loved to sing were songs like Bobby Gentry's Ode to Billy Joe, because it was such a scary song to me. It was so mysterious, like what sad. was happening, and sad, what was happening on that bridge, and why isn't this family talking to each other, and why are they ignoring this girl that clearly knows something? So I was very intrigued by the stories and song, but you know, listening to AM radio, we were exposed to so many KHJ, genres. Right? KHJ, which is K Earth now. Exactly. Yes, I know. Yes, yes, we had, yes. Oh my God! Remember oh Sam God, Riddle so and all those people Charlie too. Tuna. Charlie Tuna. Yeah. Please, the Teenage Fair. Did you sing for like people at home? Like, like when I was yes. little, I did Sunday shows for my grandparents. Oh, I would sing at any time at at the drop of a hat. Beatles songs. So um, this came natural for you. It did, but I, I never did it because I didn't read music. I didn't play an instrument and there was nothing like YouTube where you could just do covers of songs and put them up there and hopefully someone would hear you but my the closest I got was working at the Universal Amphitheater as a ticket taker and I would go and I would watch all of these people who came through like Carol King Joni Mitchell the Eagles and would you say to yourself one day I'm gonna be up there no I actually said how do you do it how do you get up there how do these people were you shy as a kid not shy just um I didn't know how to make it happen. I didn't know anybody in the music business. I didn't know anybody who 
played music or was in a band. I had no clue on how to get it. And then acting sort of took, took off over. and took it, over. It, it took yeah. over for you. Um, so, okay. So on one, uh, on this new album, uh, you co-wrote a song, but you wrote a lot of them on your own as well. Yes. Everything is co-written. Oh. Everything, Everything is co-written. Yeah. Okay. So you co-wrote this song called The Spark. Right. Which I didn't know. Listening to it, I kind of assumed, but it was kind of like an ode to people who ask you a million times that you're so sick of. Uh, the secret sauce to a longevity marriage, which, knock on wood, you have. I'm going to say this. I sat next to you and your husband at a restaurant. I accosted you guys. And I know the secret to your marriage. You like each other. I saw you talk. I saw you laugh. I saw the likability come out. And to me, that's the secret sauce. But you write, co-write rather, this song, The Spark. Can you tell us a little bit about that song and how, what motivated you to really come up with those lyrics? I think that in all relationships, and particularly long-term relationships, you hopefully met somebody and you had this beautiful spark this beautiful glimmer that can ignite into some beautiful love and that is something that you can never let die you always have to keep fanning those flames as it were to keep that alive and I think uh, that to me is really like saying don't take anything for granted you just have to every day you have to be thankful you have to be blessed you can't take anything for granted and you work on it it's like paper fire versus wood fire Paper fire burns up very fast, but a wood fire takes oh, a long time I like to burn. That. And that's what I felt when I listened to your song. By the way, uh, you're listening to it now. It's the music you're hearing uh, and the lyrics you're hearing underneath the, us speaking. Um, it's clear you support each other's careers and, and lives. But to me, the love of any kind of two humans together, it really has to be wood burning. Because wood, as you know, can burn a long time. Right. Paper will burn in two seconds. I know. One of my co-writers on that song, John Shanks, is also in a very, very long-term marriage. And he's a Grammy-winning producer and writer and wrote for Sheryl Crow and Melissa Etheridge. And he's on tour with Bon Jovi because he's a badass guitarist. (laughs) And my other co-writer, Annie Bosco, has never been married. And so I thought it was really great to have that combination of people that are looking and that also have gone through it on the yes. other side you yes. know and especially in hollywood 31 years oh my god that's a lifetime <laughs> in hollywood all right so look your career is steady as an actress throughout the years um you're acting and now producing singing how do you manage it all well fortunately not everything is happening at the exact same time and um things that like movies when a lot of time you're working on developing them and making sure that they make it to the big screen and when they shoot you're on location um and that's a limited period of time you don't have to you know it's not like you're on there for a year and a half so everything is planned strategically month yeah. by month so you could fit is. in the 12 months yeah and we try um to you know, make sure that our schedules are coinciding and not keeping us um, too separated for too long oh, the family, of a period of time. The yeah, family. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Um, but listen, I think creative people do a lot of creative things. You're not really just... I love what I do, and so I think that's a huge part of it. And I always think of this quote that Oprah, that I read with Oprah once, and she said... Um, most people don't know what it is that they want. And if they know what it is that they want, 
they can take steps to make it happen. So I think knowing what it is that you want 100%. is really important. Well, and, knowledge is power. And yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. Okay. Not only uh, does she sing, act, produce, Anthony, she's done Broadway twice. <laughs> uh, Chicago was your debut. Yes. yes and yes. then you actually did this, which I saw Larry David's Fish in the Dark. That was the most daunting. I don't even know how you did that. I I just don't even know how you did that. Because <laughs> I love that man so much. I do too, I mean, but he's nuts. He's <laughs> he's good nuts because it's combined with kindness, you know. He's so kind and so sweet. But and- that is something to work with him because every second his brain... It, did he change lines in the middle of every it? Every day. I knew it. Every knew day it. he would come up to my dressing room and he'd say... Cause I would I'm would start the play on the um, stage by myself, and yes. then Larry would make an entrance. This is a story loosely based upon his life, correct? No, no, no just it was based on a friend's sort of experience, but I not really his. Think no. he's not telling the truth. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> um, so he would come on stage and. Every day he would come up to me and change that first line. Listen, listen, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, I didn't like the laugh that it got last night. So, uh, 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 try this, try this. Okay, okay, let's run it, let's run it. And then we would run the line and we'd get down it's on stage. So Larry David! <laughs> so funny. I just I mean, that's a difficult him. situation, but people who do soap operas, they get those lines changed on set like that as well. But that's daunting. No, I but. Would he also, like at the end of the play, after we'd been doing it for, I don't know, seven or eight months or something like that, he, it was like his la- our last week, because Larry and I left, and then Jason Alexander took over with Glenn Headley, who passed away. Yeah. God bless her. Um, but he, he was standing backstage, and he was like, I don't know. I kind of like this. I kind of, what is this feeling? I said, you're having a good time, Larry. No, he doesn't know a good time. And he's like, (laughs) and I said to him, a week from now, you're going to look at your watch and you're going to say 7.30. I would be just going on stage. I'd be, you know, we'd be high-fiving each other before the lights went down. And he goes, I can assure you, when I leave this play, I will never think of it again. And you know what? I believe him. I, I know he didn't want to do it to begin with. He struggled so with funny. doing it to begin with. I mean, he's a funny guy. He, I adore that man. I run into him a lot uh, where we live. Yes. He lives close to us. Yes. And I see him at the same restaurant yes. I accosted you. Um, so I, I'll have to accost him next time. All right. Um, are you listening, Anthony? Because there's a lot to take in about Rita. A lot. She's been a contributing editor to Harper's Bazaar magazine, writing over two dozen articles. And you were also an editor at large for the Huffington Post. And and you wrote for Oprah magazine. (laughs) What the hell? Look, like I said, if you love what you do and you... But Rita, there's only 24 hours in a day. (laughs) Yes, but you're looking at a cumulative thing. You're not looking at like, this is what I'm doing every single day. I'm not producing a movie, writing an article, writing songs, acting. It's not all happening in one day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. Did you enjoy that? Did you? I loved all of that stuff. Um... I have to really thank Nora Ephron, uh, my dear friend, the writer and director, because she was the one who really encouraged me to write. And I think that um, combined with the writing I had done for Huffington Post or Harper's Bazaar or Oprah Magazine was really um, sparked by Nora's um, ability to understand that 
if you have a voice and you have something you want to say that you should figure out a way to say it. And well, she was a real champion for women as she well. Really she was. really was. God she bless really her. was. Um, speaking of which, you've said, uh, I saw in an interview, that good roles for women in Hollywood over 30, slim and none, huh? Yeah, very rare. Although, you know, I keep looking for those roles and I'm very thankful when I see them. But in, in the movies that men? we've... Why, why for us only? What do you mean? It's roles are a plethora because for the, the business men over is thirty. St- the business is still run by men, and most of the positions of power that um, get to decide which movies get made are with men in those positions. So we need to support women behind the camera. Well, you and were in one studio of those. positions, and the movies that I make have female protagonists and females that are over the age of twenty-five. Let's I mean, talk Meryl Streep, Cher. Uh, Julie Walters, Christine Baranski. Well, let's get into it. Let's start about uh, with my big fat Greek wedding. So Rita is the one that brought that to the screen. Okay, uh, she went to see the play. Correct, right uh, here fell, in L.A. Right, fell yep. in love here uh, with the play. And based then- on the title that I saw on a one-inch square ad in the L.A. Times that said. My big fat Greek wedding, well, and I was Greek like, obvious, "Okay, right?" I thought that is a very funny title, and I went just based on the title. I knew nothing about it. Okay, and then this movie, tell people, almost never got made. Correct. Tell us, uh, the movie uh, almost never got made, even though I had produced two um, stage productions of it with Nia, and the script was when Nia she Vardalis. Nia Vardalis, who wrote it and starred in it, and she handed me the script basically that night uh, of seeing the play because I said to her this would make a great movie she goes I have a script (laughs) and and the script was pretty much the script we shot it was that together and studios did not want to make it with a woman that they didn't know even though she wrote it and I thought to myself but if this were Jerry Seinfeld or Ray Romano you'd probably be letting them make this movie so we finally ended up getting independent financing with HBO and Gold Circle and we made the movie we wanted to make so the movie comes out Uh, I mean, the movie is made, and then we can't get a distributor. The distributors all were like, I don't get it. It's not edgy enough. It's like, it's. they didn't really understand that it was so funny, and that when we would go do the focus groups, and you know, that's when you show it to people and they give their opinions, everybody said, I'm Chinese, but this is my family. I'm Italian, but this is my family. I'm black, but this is my family. It's all, uh, we were feeling that, the audiences would like it so uh, it was a very slow build but it was really a word of mouth movie but when it came out you knocked it out of the park so much so that uh didn't you do uh weren't you going to do a sequel or you did a sequel we did do a sequel yes the sequel yeah my big factory wedding too it didn't have as much steam though as the first one no but it was a very successful movie I love it. That. Didn't be, it wasn't the most successful independent movie of all time, like the first one. Because that first <laughs> one was amazing. It really was. It's still when I watch it, I'm, I'm so proud mother, of it, and it makes me laugh. Rita, you don't understand. My mother walks around with Windex. Oh no! Now, if you haven't seen my big fat Greek wedding, you don't understand that everything the mother fixed the father, cold, the father, oh, the father. I'm sorry. Everything was with Windex. Yes, you, you got to have cold, a pimple. Have the Windex. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is still very much. If you had a pimple, he'd say, put some Windex on it. It's very true. (laughs) It is very, very true. (laughs) All right. And then uh, you got Mama Mia. She she mentioned a little bit of uh, Cher. I mean, Christine Bransky. Mama Mia, huge hit. Meryl Streep, huge hit. You don't just produce one 
You produce two. Well, I went. You like to, to see, do the sequels. I do. I uh, listen when I saw um, Mamma Mia. It had been out for three weeks in London. We were there. Tom was working, and we you saw were the there. Play, the you play mean? musical. Correct. It Correct. came out, and I said, "Let's go see this ABBA music. How fun! This will be great." We take the family, and we go. And when it first came out, I was like, oh boy, this is what first 10 minutes. I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of, where is this going? And then in 20 minutes, I looked over at Tom. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. We have to make this into a movie. And plus it shot in, it, it took place in Greece. Of course. And I'm half Greek and I'm very proud of my cultural heritages, both of them. And uh, it just was pure joy. And I, I, it took us about five years because it was to get the rights because it hadn't even traveled to tour in America or Canada or anything. So it took us quite a long time. Do you to, have to get to the get, rights from ABBA? Who do you get you the rights from? You have to get the from? rights from the producer who produced the ABBA. stage play. Wow, that's amazing. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right. All right. And then you slow it down a little because uh, it's good news, folks, though. Bad news for a minute, but all good. Uh, you get diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. That kind of changes up a little bit for you. You go through a double mastectomy. I have so many friends going through that right now. Um, but if you look at Rita, the warrior, you can all come out on the other side. Um, how does that affect you, though, during all of that? Well, it was... Um, it's it, it it's terrifying. You get that diagnosis. I was doing fish in the dark at the time I got the diagnosis and And you were very public about it which I I really think is so fantastic Rita because it helps so many people I I think you know for me it was important to get two messages out there I had initially been misdiagnosed and a girlfriend of mine said get a second opinion on your pathology which is the tissue that they get in a biopsy so often and so I um, sent the uh, pathology in for a second opinion and it came back that I did have cancer and then I got a third opinion and that was also confirmed. So um, my only treatment option was a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction and I went back to the play four weeks later which was extraordinary. I took off for a month for my surgery But I bet that helped you heal in every it way. It did. Knowing that I could go back and, and do a job and sort of be normal again but a few months later it kind of hits you like what just happened and I had an enormous amount of anxiety and I found that um, meditation and particularly mindfulness meditation was really good and also cognitive behavioral therapy because it was like I couldn't stop my mind from thinking about what, what just if. happened. Yeah. What if? What exactly. If. Oh my God. Because again, you're in the not knowing territory. Exactly. And so without that knowledge of power, you're yes, screwed. exactly. Your mind will screw yeah. you. I yes, get it. Yes. I, I'm going through that with a friend of mine now. Maybe you know Jillian Barbary? Yes. So you know How J- is she doing? You know, she's having a tough time. Did you undergo chemo? I did not. Okay, so she's undergoing horrific chemo. Right. And 
just what you described is what she's going through. Uh, she's almost there for more. Oh, yeah, light at the end of the tunnel. But then radiation, she's going to go through that. But she will get through it. When you're going through it, it's it's really, really tough. But you do get through it, and you come out on the other side of it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's not a death sentence anymore, people. No, it's not. Nothing is really a death sentence until you're dead. That's the way I look. (laughs) Well, that's the way I look at things. That is true. Um, And speaking of being dead, you didn't have to be dead to get on a postage stamp. (laughs) I'm just saying, most people have to be dead to get on a postage stamp. And in 2016, is this not true? Were you honored with your own stamp from the Greek Postal Service? Correct, I was. Do you they... send mail with your face? Oh, absolutely. I got sheets of stamps. Letter, well, I can't. You have to be in Europe for me to send you a letter because well, it's going Euros. To Israel in July. Can oh, you send it okay, to I'll me do there? it. Yes, the um, they honor people that are Greek American who bring um, kind of honor and uh, awareness to what a great country Greece is. I mean, she's got her own stamp. Well, we shot a couple of movies there and uh, we promote Greece. We love it. It's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous country with extraordinarily kind people. You would love it. I'm going to go. You know, Greece still houses so many migrants that came over and um, has them and has taken them in when they couldn't cross borders into other countries. And I think that's pretty amazing. I do too. I mean, I love Especially when they were going through such difficult economic um, times themselves. <laughs> All right, so you get better. Everything's great in your life. Uh, you do that with a lot of prayers because like me, you believe in the power of prayer. I do. Which I think is so important for people to understand there's a higher power. Yes. Pray to it. Yes. I don't care what you call it. Pray to it. Right. Um, but then you say your journey got influenced uh, from your friend who I, people will know, I'll remind everybody, uh, Cara Diaguardi, who was a judge for a minute on American Idol, Mm -hmm. and you two are very close, and she said, hey, you better go for it now or never and start writing, and she helped you get into that, right? She was the one. She just asked me one day, what is it that you you want to be doing or whatever? And I said, oh, God, I I don't, I mean, I'd give anything to be able to write a song like you. And she said, what makes you think you can't? And I said, because I don't play an instrument, I don't read music. She said, do you have something you want to say? And I was like, my my head just kind of went like fireworks off. I was like, yes. And she said, I'll write your first songs with you. And she did. And that opened the door to songwriting. Album? On my first album, we wrote Grateful Together and another song called... Um, uh, you know who you are that hasn't made it onto an album yet but it doesn't mean that it won't and she she wrote the music and the lyrics we wrote together with another writer Jason Reeves and when you're in the room writing everybody's contributing how does that work what does people just throw out a line different different like um Kara came in with a little hook melody. Jason is an incredible songwriter. I had the story do they for do Grateful. With an instrument, the guitar, and this okay, one so it was guitar. Okay. No, Kara just sang that to me. Oh, so it's just she out sang of her head. it to me. She said, I, I came up with this in the car driving over. And she this is a songwriter for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. She had this da 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 da. You know, that kind of a thing. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. So we wrote that, and then two days later we wrote You Know Who You Are. And she um, 
really opened it up. And then Christian Bush, who I had opened with my first album for Sugarland, and he was the founder of the band Sugarland. And he said to me, if you ever want to write music, call me up. And so when I started writing with Kara, I called him up and I said, were you serious about that? And he said, absolutely. So then we started writing together. And uh, Is great. that the album that you did a duet with Chris Cornell? That no, that was an album of covers. Oh, that okay. was called AMFM. That okay. was all cover songs, songs I didn't write. Well, you sang with some amazing people. Amazing though. people. I am not going to God lie bless here. Chris Cornell. What an amazing voice. Wow, what a loss. Yeah, right? what a loss. You describe your music, I think, as Southern California rock, classic Nashville country, um, which was a hallmark for you growing up. Is that the kind of music that your parents played in the house? Yeah. Listen, you know, as I was saying earlier, AM radio for me exposed me to so many genres because AM radio played everything growing up here in LA. Yeah. Beatles, Beach Boys, Stones, Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Supremes, Diana Ross, Temptations, Four Seasons, Bill Withers. We had everything. All so, on one station. And all the reason, on one station. And the reason for that, in case anyone's interested, is because there was only one station. Right. Now they split it up. We have the wave. That will play the jazz and the right. R&B. Then K-Earth, we play the classic hits. Right. Uh, Kiss FM plays the top 40. But back when we were growing up, that's not how it was. That's right. Everything was there. So right. we would listen to the radio. It would be on whether you were driving in the car without seatbelts, because who had seatbelts back then? Nobody. Or you were home and the radio was on while you were doing your Saturday chores or whatever. But that was was what exposed me to, I think, songwriting in terms of the story. And my mom was very funny. She was Greek. She had an accent. But we'd be in the car driving and she would say to me, this song going to be a hit. And she was always right. And she would, uh, you know, like I'm laughing because my friend Debbie Madinopoulos, who's Greek, yes. in, imitates her mother. Oh, right. And no, it it's sounds the best. just like it's the that. Best. Have you heard her do it? No, but I mean, any, oh, anybody who has a Greek to, parent you has that. You've got to hear her. It's the funniest oh, thing you've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, she's great. That's hilarious. But yeah, she would say, that song going to be a hit. And then she would have a song like uh, de- uh, Bread's song, you know. What's that word? Um, uh, oh God! Uh, you know the one about the not diary, but the one about the the. I could see you once again. Oh yeah! If I if it's if, called if, if. okay. It's called if. So she would say, <laughs> "What do you think this song is about?" And she would force me to sort of look at lyrics. Uh, how old and was this that she would maybe do Maybe eight or ten or something like that. Really? She was yes, doing that? Yes, yes. And she would it, draw attention to the stories of the songs. And that is what's always been so compelling to me. Was and she, she around could, to see your first album, I hope? Yes, oh, she was. Goodness. She came to see me at the Troubadour, oh, which was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's really fantastic. Great. All right, now, um, you have a writer's camp, right? Did Kara talk you into doing that? Tell us a little bit about that. Kara said to me, we should do a writing camp, and you'll come up with a bunch of songs for your next album. Which is the fourth album, Halfway, Halfway to, to Home. home. Yeah, what does that lot. title mean? Well, for me, it's kind of like uh, we're always a work in progress. You're never quite where you think you should be or want to be, whether it's personally or professionally or emotionally. And I always felt like you could be going along and thinking, this is great. Everything's going great. This is fantastic. And then something comes along and sideswipes you, screech, and it can be something like cancer. It can be 
anything. And um, I just felt like you're all you can do is really just be in it and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward and knowing that you're on your way to something great. But like you said, you're not dead till you're dead. You're so you just keep going. <laughs> so as you're halfway. As I'm above ground. Right, right. I'm good. All right. And then um, tell us what inspired Throw Me a Party, a song, another song that I really liked. Thank you. Throw Me a Party was um, because when I had been diagnosed with cancer and it was very scary. And before you know that you're going to have a good prognosis and you're sitting here talking to you, Lisa Stanley, and you don't have that in your realm uh, of your frame of reference yet. I said to my husband, like, look, um, if something happens and I go before you, just I, I want you to be real sad, real sad. OK, like I want you to miss me. But please, I, love I want that. a badass party. I want a party. I want my life to be celebrated and filled with joy and music and dancing. And it's so funny because... Isn't that weird, though, to say out loud? It is weird to say out loud. But, you know, I did a music video for it and posted it. And you know how many people have thought about this? It's not unusual. I thought it was going to be something that was like, to me, it felt like I was a morbid secret that I was letting out. But the truth is... People do think about this. You hey, know? did you see Barbara Cochran from the Shark Tank? Yeah, no, okay. what about I she love her? She threw herself her, I think it was her 70th birthday. God bless her. But wait, she threw a funeral, not a birthday. She, You walk down a red carpet, she's in a coffin. She lied in the coffin and produced her own funeral as her party. Throw me a party. What? <laughs> I want to see video of that. <laughs> oh, no, there is. There's video, there's pictures What, did everywhere. she make people speak about her and stuff? Yes! She That's actually kind of cool. I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, not to be narcissistic. I'd have a but gospel I'd like, choir. I'd like to see who would show up at my funeral. Not to be narcissistic oh, or anything. That, but that is so funny. I, mean, I thought that was really funny. And I thought of your song in the respect that she threw herself a party all right. That is crazy. You got to see. I got to show you the pictures. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're crazy. So you oh. say you wrote these songs to remind yourself that life is and always is a work in progress. Yeah, exactly. And Till the day we die. Exactly. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. Because yeah. you can't be perfect. You cannot be ever. perfect. And you have to be... I, I mean, I think every day I wake up, I always start with a prayer of gratitude and just... It's an acknowledgement of that I even woke up. Like, yeah. oh my God, I woke up and I live in America and it's a beautiful day. And, and you're so blessed in yes, every way. Yes. You have a healthy life, a healthy family. That's you right. Are knocking, I'm knocking on wood in case, or whatever this crap is for Micah. <laughs> There's but wood in there somewhere. Whatever. It's the truth, though. That, that gratitude, I think, is what drives you to a good place. In Absolutely. Life. I, I just think. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite song on your album? On my album. I hate to ask, but just... I, I I think I'm partial to Throw Me a Party because it's so extremely personal. And uh, I wrote that with Christian Bush, who I'm going to be touring with this summer. Oh, where, where will we be touring? All over um, the South and um, the East Coast, primarily. And for those of you who are on the West Coast, uh, just a little while ago, you were able, if you were smart enough, to get down to Stagecoach, where you just performed. That's your first time doing that, right? First time at Stagecoach. Okay, it I was saw the pictures. A blast. That outfit you had on was Thank all you. that and a bag of chips. <laughs> Thank you. Who Designed by Tom outfit? Ford. Tom Ford designed 
designed that outfit. He's a very dear friend. I mean, just for you to wear at Stagecoach? Yes. Get yes. out. It's, it's, Do you get to keep it? Yes, I get to keep it. I mean, I don't it's, know where you'd ever wear it again. I'm wearing it to all my shows. Are oh, you kidding okay, me? okay, on stage. Oh, I'm wearing it all. Yeah, I'll be in... I, people will be so tired of that outfit, but it's How like... How was I'm it? A, was it daunting? Was it scary? It's very humbling to be on a place a, a, a place like Stagecoach where and it was like so much great music. And it was like 100 degrees and you were all covered up. Yeah, it was well, really warm. You weren't sweaty and hot? No, I wasn't because our tent was shaded. Oh, the Palomino good. stage was shaded, fortunately. But no, the audience was incredible. They were uh, fantastic and knew the songs and sang along. And uh, Well, these are your fans. The, it was I mean, really cool. I mean, they better cool. know the damn songs. You just, yeah, you know, but it was... You feel it was, like a little rock star, huh? Uh, fantastic, yeah. It, it, it's, Is that the first time you really felt that vibe, that kind of a rock star vibe? Uh, y- yes. I know you've been on stage many times. Yes. But this seems to me, these Coachellas, yes. these stage coaches, this is the big league now. Yeah, yeah. You it know what it I mean? felt very much like... Uh, uh, it's super exciting. I can't even explain it to you. It's super exciting. Do you get you nervous just... before you do something like that? Yeah. If, you do, <laughs> if you're not nervous, you're brain dead. I don't know. Yes, definitely. Do you get like butterfly nervous or yes. sweaty palm nervous? No, or... not sweaty palm nervous. Like performance excitement nerves. Like you're really excited to get out there. And, you know, we were very, very well rehearsed and very well prepared. How and long we've done do you a... rehearse for these kind of shows? Well, I did a, uh, some warm-up shows. I rehearsed um, like a few days uh, just with my mu- with my band and musicians, and then we went to another big stage and rehearsed there because we were all on in-ear monitors and all of that. So we had a few days there, and then we did some warm-up shows because you're prepared. You're you have to be prepared, right? You're you're you know. People are coming to see you and they might be skeptical, so you have to give them a really good show. <laughs> What's the best live show you've seen? Oh, wow. Because um, I imagine you've gone to a there's few There's a concerts. few. There's a few. Um, Bruno Mars <gasps> is one of the most Tiny amazing. Tiny my favorite man oh, in the world. Oh, my gosh. One of the most incredible live performers I've ever seen. I'll tell you what's so great about Bruno Mars. He appeals to every age yep. range. My dad, who is 85, yeah. la, 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 yeah, loves yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> la, 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 no, loves him. I mean. So do. And we took the, all the kids and everything when we went. So there was a definite demographic range there. I love. But I mean, he's for no, everyone, he's right? he's amazing. Okay, Justin Timberlake. Incredible. It's Adele. Must be my. Adele. Adele, <gasps> Adele is unbelievable because she's so funny and people don't realize that. You and I have the same exact music taste. And Taylor don't Swift. Realize. Have you seen her show? Unbelievable. Taylor Swift is extraordinary because she's got this massive stadium tour and yet. It's like she's singing to you, one yeah. person, and that is a gift. I mean, I've, I've actually interviewed her. Extraordinary, and she's such a doll. She is. She's such. She gets such a bad rap, though. Does she? Yeah. I don't think she. People, why? Because she's too so so talented. I guess. I mean, what's her are problem? Jealous. They're haters. You know, people are just. Haters. She's fantastic. She's smart. She's an amazing musician. She's an incredible performer. I, I like. I don't know what. People, I, I agree with you. I no, only focus are, on the good. Those are all my favorites. <laughs> all of those are my absolute favorites. Bruno Mars. I'll tell you who else people don't realize this is. 
hysterically funny. And you too. You too puts uh, on an well, amazing come live on, show. That's Bonner, yeah. man. Uh, Celine Dion is hysterical. Oh, she's she, fantastic. Is she too. not the Saw funniest her in though? Vegas. Love her. I mean, she made me pee my pants. I laughed so hard with her. She's really you hysterical. Know, you know, I love being back at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> and your mouth does exactly like I her. love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the biggest venue you've played? So far, because um, I know you have a in, tour coming. In Indiana, when I opened for Sugarland, we played a big, huge arena in um, Indianapolis. And what I, is that like, opening for Sugarland? It's very ginormous. intense because it's like 10,000 people. And then recently I performed at Chris Cornell's tribute concert at oh, the Forum. You? Yeah, I that sang The Promise. Amazing. That looked it was amazing. amazing. It was incredible. It was a fantastic show. So that was another huge place to perform. And then Disney Concert Hall was just because it's Disney oh, well, Concert it's Hall. Disney Concert Hall. Yeah. And Carnegie Hall. Oh. I got to do Carnegie Hall, but just a part of Sting and Trudy's um, Rainforest Gala. But I sang um, All I Have to Do is Dream with Vince Gill and oh. danced with James Taylor I to mean, Shall We Dance. Hello, yeah. Okay, well, Radio City Hall, you're your, your your turn. I, I did up. that. I did oh, that with Paul never Simon. Never mind. I take it back <laughs> with Paul Simon. He did a benefit for his children's health fund, and uh, so you. I sang been. there too. Yes, you've been there and you've done that. But so. it's I want to go now with my own show and do those places. Oh, do you I know see. what I mean? Well, yes. Disney, I did my own show, but uh, yeah, that well, would be I'm really. I'm sure fun. you're going to make it there. What's the biggest risk so far with all of this? Uh, just doing it. Just, just putting yourself just out putting there. Putting yourself out there. You know, it's it's scary. Do and you get yucky comments ever? You don't no, read that stuff. Do I you? don't. No, I don't read them. But I also don't get yucky comments because I think uh, I believe in the music. I think it's good, and uh, people can say whatever they want to say. But just go listen to the music, and if you like it, then that speaks for itself. And how do people buy music nowadays, right? You have to go online to buy it. You can't really go to a record store anymore. I huh? do. My, my stuff is in record stores. And, Where is um, a record store? Tell Barnes & Noble as a bookstores, but they sell records. Is that right? They yep. still do? Yep. And I, I think Target sells music, don't they? Tar- I'm not in Target, but I'm in Barnes & Nobles and a bunch of independent record stores, but also Amazon. I sell physical CDs still because people still like to have physical what do you mean? CDs. You like stand on the corner and sell CDs? Yes, <laughs> I do. I stand mean? there like tuppence tuppence for a cd well i mean honestly no meaning that i make there are physical cds that you can buy of course everything can be bought also on amazon you can stream it on amazon itunes you can buy it on itunes you can stream it on spotify it's everywhere but i have vinyl for halfway to home oh vinyl is like happening again it's happening happening and i have physical cds for everything and let me ask you would you be open to I see how comedians, they go like Jerry Seinfeld and these big comedians, they go uh, to like little clubs like the Laugh Factory or the Comedy and they work out, uh, you know, their their material. Would you like there's a place here in Los Angeles called Vibrato. Are you familiar with Vibrato? Yeah, that's Herb Albert's place right. at the top of Eden, uh, Beverly Eden Glen. Eden is my uh, very yeah, good friend. Yeah, it's an amazing club. Would you go ever and perform there to like before you hit the road to work out some stuff? Absolutely. I would totally do that. You know, I thought that they were more... More of a jazz club, though. No, I'm going to tell you what's going on because Eden and I are very good friends. Jolie Fisher just did her one woman Love show Jolie. up there. Oh, she's fantastic! Oh my God, she tore the place. She's up, hilarious, Rita. hilarious yes. her show, mm-hmm. hilarious. Not to mention that girl can belt out a tune. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm just thinking that maybe I don't know, work out a kink or two. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can, I can hook that up for okay, you. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Not I that didn't you know, couldn't hook that no, up yourself. No, I, I thought that it was pr- primarily jazz. And I went to see... Um, um, it used to be. Oh, my God, I love her. Catherine Jenkins. Yes. I saw her there, and she was incredible. You know, um, Donnie Most, we brought up Happy Days earlier. Talk about um, your exes. What's yes. Tom going to say? <laughs> he could care less. <laughs> he could care less. He, uh, Donnie, is performing up there with his 16-piece uh did you know Donnie sings? No. Oh yeah. He's sixteen got piece band. Sixteen what, piece like with orchestra. horn section. Oh yeah. What kind of music is when he doing? The standards. Shark oh my gosh. The- <laughs> I want to go see that. Yeah, I'll tell you. He's coming um, in June. June six. I want to say. I got to call him and ask him and re- remind him. Fantastic. But I, I hooked him up there. He loves it. That's it's amazing. So it's maybe a good place for you to work out a few. I'd love it. Kinks. So we'll we'll talk. All right. So uh, lastly. If you didn't get into this business, um, taking out being a wife and a mom and all that, what would you have done? I'll tell you what I would have done. Okay. I say this every time so you already know. I am enthralled with profilers. I would have been an Damn FBI girl, profiler. That is exactly what I would have done. Stop. I promise sorry, you. I, just, I always say I, I would have been FBI her. or CSI. Oh I literally, I want to get down to the bottom oh of it. Oh my God, I want to know wanna what's solve in the brain. Crimes. I want to know what is going on with these people. I, I can't, I, 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 mean, I, I want justice to be served. I mean, can you believe this? Yes. I've never heard anyone else say that. Neither have I. It's either that or being an athlete. And did you watch, (laughs) (laughs) that is going to happen for me. Did you watch the, um, on Netflix, it's called Abducted in Plain Sight. Yes, I did. Okay, I interviewed Jan. Oh, you're kidding me. Dude. That is the most extraordinary Twice story. by the same man. I could not, well, I I have so many things to say about that because those parents. Horrifying. Horrible humans. But that that but guy was such. I know, and they were so brave to be interviewed. But that that uh, perpetrator. But he was a master manipulator. Well, they come at you, and they first groom the parents. Yes. So in a part of a way, was... I felt bad for the parents. But I'll tell you what Jan said that was interesting. That this even made me more want to dig. She's completely fine, Rita, or at least pretends to be, and never went to therapy. I do, I, I'm so curious about that. That's extraordinary. To, she should be studying. Anthony, you were that right. Is major Anthony trauma. was right there. Yeah. What, how was, was it? She was normal. Yeah, Doesn't she sound completely and acknowledges everything? Sound like she wasn't affected by it. Wow. It's, I'm not kidding you. And that made me even more so. I'm like, maybe when I'm done with this radio stuff, I'm going to take classes and learn how to profile. Why not take them now? Why do well, you have to be done with the radio stuff? You're right. Just take it as an extra you're right. activity. I should. I should do that. You're Absolutely right. Absolutely do it. that floored me when that woman said she had not gone through therapy. That is, that is astonishing, right? But didn't they have a very strong faith? Yes, they did. And, and okay, there's a lot to be said, as we both agree, with prayer and faith. But my goodness gracious, to not harbor some kind of trauma oh. from that is, I mean, even with your faith, there's got to be something. Not for this woman, right? No. This it's, woman it's, was... It, it's kind of miraculous, really. It was 
It was crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, I must have asked her 10 times. Yeah. You sure? You yeah, sure? exactly. <laughs> right? And she's still close with the mom. Is she married? Happily married? Does she have children? She does have children. Wow. Yes. Wow. If you can believe, it's some story I am telling you. Yeah. This is what. So brave. It's so brave. But yeah. this is what makes me want to dig deeper right. into these people's minds. Right. What are they thinking? I have a friend who is a prosecutor in New York. He's the prosecuting attorney for really horrific crimes. His name is Matthew Bogdanus. And he just um, tried a case of that man who killed his wife and then tried to frame his children into being the ones that killed her. Gee, I didn't read about this. Where's this? Here? In New York. No, he's in New York. New York City. Yeah, he just got... Oh, wait, I did see it. 25 to life. Yeah. I just saw it in New York Post. Horrific crime. What is wrong with these people? Horrible. But there, but he he is like that. He has to get into the mind of a, a, a the psychopath. Thing, the only thing I would love to ask someone, which I'm dying to interview an FBI profiler, when you go home at night, what happens? Like when you're doing a movie or you're doing a play, you go home, you're no longer that character. You're Rita Wilson, correct? Right. You can have conversation with your husband, your children. But I don't know. Can these FBI profilers do that? I, I think it can be very challenging. Right? I think some cases more than others. I don't know. If I had a superhuman power, it would be to get into someone's mind and be like a little bug in their brain to Ugh. just like know, you know, what's going on. Wow. I mean, it, it's I would take those classes, Lisa, because it sounds like you'd be really good at it. Oh, no. I'm, you don't even know. It's a sickness. It's a sickness. <laughs> Do you watch all the Dateline NBCs? You don't even Do know. Josh, <laughs> Josh Mankiewicz Josh, is one of my besties. I love him I call so him, much. You don't know. I call him every day. Drive him crazy. Oh, my God. Every, it's like, tell me more about this crime. Yes! <laughs> I go, I want to see your notes. We had him in. He was here on the podcast. <laughs> so good. What, didn't he tell some creepy stories? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. honestly, <laughs> I really, you're right. You know what, Rita, you just might have been my Cara Diaguardi. You might have just <laughs> yeah, let me be. motivated let me, me be. to do You don't this. have to wait. Do it now. And you love really it. What I want to do is a documentary on the insides of the brain's of what goes on with these people. Oh, well, do it. What are you waiting for? I do fight. it. You know, like you. You're halfway to home, girl. I'm halfway to home. Get it going. Yeah, halfway <laughs> to home. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, we're uh, halfway to done. No, we are, we are done. This has been, I love you, Rita. Lisa, I, thank I you, you so much. This I has accost- been such a pleasure. I hope that you don't mind I accosted you in the restaurant. Are you kidding me? I love it. I mean, I wish, I, I, honestly, this is, what did you do? You, you were so friendly you were so wonderfully warm you were very respectful and then you said if you want to come and do this i'd love to have you and i was like are you kidding me i'd come in two seconds it was really nice and not for nothing but next to me on the other side was harrison ford and calista flockhart that's right i I didn't ask them no No. (laughs) (laughs) i left that restaurant and i said people in indiana would be going insane i'm sandwiched in between tom hanks rita wilson calista flockhart and harrison ford no one's gonna believe this. the other night i was there and christian bale was there (laughs) you know i'm going tonight i wonder who will be there we shall never say what this restaurant is never oh i never Never. say no we never give away our places as a matter of fact family haunts this place
Were you living in this area a long time? Yes. So do you remember what that place used to be? Yes, I do. It was and our, I went there. Every Saturday. Yes. That yes. was our hang. Yeah. And I mean a group of us. It was exactly. Josh Dumel, Fergie. Yes. Did you yes. ever see Oliver Hudson? Yes. I mean, we would go there on Saturdays and live it up because no yeah. paparazzi. Nope. Nobody bothering anybody. No. All the kids could run around. Exactly. And boy, is it different what they turned it into. It yeah? is. And it's just wonderful. It really yeah. is. All right, Sarita, give out your socials, if you will, for people so they could find your music and find you and learn everything. You can find me. So they me. can know where your tour dates and everything Great. Uh, you can find me at, it's always at Rita Wilson on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And my website is RitaWilson.com and you can check that for tour dates and anything that's can up Can they buy and me running. your album off of your website? No, you can buy my album on iTunes, Amazon, in stores, and you can stream it on Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. There you go. And listen, you guys, this is album number four. So if you like it, go back and get the other three. Because I have to say, I've listened to a little bit of each one now. And Rita, you got it. What can I say? Thank you, you got Lisa. that thing. <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice. All right. You guys know you can find me, Lisa Stanley 30 on the gram and Lisa K Earth on Twitter. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.